Hey everyone, welcome back to the Fantasy Pros Football Podcast for Championship Week Start Sit Show. I'm Bobby Sylvester with Mike Taglier. As always, Tags, how's it going, man? It's going good. It's I can't believe it's week 16. I can't believe it's the fantasy championship. And it's it's weird. I, I thought about this earlier today and I was like, man, I'm, I'm excited that the that the regular season is coming to an end, but I'm sad I'm going to be missing football. But, you know, football is a year round thing now where it's like we're not going to go away. I mean, we're still going to be doing podcasts for you guys. Not not as much as we are now, but we're going to be talking about the NFL draft. Things are taking place in the offseason. So we're still going to keep you guys informed. Yeah. Tags, I got to say, I am bummed. Aaron Rodgers is on the IR now, and my opponent picked up not one, but the top four quarterbacks available because he had Fab left. So I get to start Blake Bortles now. Oh, man, that sucks. He used the strategy, and uh, it is going to be it's going to be close. So wait, you you have Blake Bortles to use? Well, now I have Blake Bortles to use, yeah. But I mean, I wanted to pick up like Matthew Stafford, man. Oh, I'm 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 totally on Nick board. Foles. I'm on board with Blake Bortles this week, man. I, I'm telling you right now, I myself was having a, an internal debate uh, whether or not I would start Blake Bortles or Aaron Rodgers in one league, and I was I'm not kidding when I tell you I'm, I'm I was leaning towards Blake Bortles because it just feels like it's going to be a safer play than Rodgers was going to be at home. That that game's on Saturday night. It is. It's going to be in the single digit temperatures and against the Minnesota Vikings against the Vikings. Yeah. So it, it wasn't yeah. a great matchup. So honestly, this may be a blessing in disguise for you, Bobby. Yeah. Yeah. You might be right. I don't know. And I get to say I won a championship with Blake Bortles. So <laughs> I, assuming I win and I'm going to win. Uh, so I'm dealing with a cold. If you all can't tell, um, my voice is a lot different today. I never use an alarm clock because my boys just wake me up every morning and plenty of time for work. Today, my three-year-old was really thoughtful. I guess you can call it thoughtful. He decided to, quote unquote, just let daddy sleep so he would feel better. He toasted two pieces of bread for himself and his brother, used a knife to butter it, poured cinnamon all over it, like just covered in cinnamon, microwaved some frozen peas on a plate, then peeled two bananas. I don't know if I should be horrified, Tags, or just amazed, but... That's how I started my day. I'm scared, man. Like, cause you're telling, I, I, you told me earlier that you're sick. My wife, it was her birthday yesterday. Last night at eight o'clock, all of a sudden she was hit with these crazy symptoms where she actually called into work today. And like, she's just, she, she literally slept for like 16 straight hours. I don't, I didn't think that was possible. Um, but she's just dead. So I hope this sickness doesn't catch up, uh, just in time for when the season ends. When of course, you know, we're supposed to enjoy some time with our friends and family. Yeah, man. I, you're going to get sick for sure. It's happening. Oh, boy. I can't take any more sickness. So, Tags, before we move on, and uh, we've got a really comprehensive show planned, we have another DraftKings contest for you all at fantasypros.com slash DraftKings. Here's the details, okay? First place wins a lifetime Fantasy Pro subscription and a 1000 bucks. Half of all entries are going to win prizes, and the entry fee is just one buck, and you get to create a lineup of eight players in our pick'em type contest, so for player one, you get eight choices in the same tier, and have to pick one, and so on. I love this format, and I'm going to try to beat you all, so if you want to crack at a lifetime subscription to Fantasy Pros and a thousand bucks, you can enter for one dollar at fantasypros.com. Slash draft kinks. I love it. I love this, Bobby, because I was, I'll tell you what. Uh, last week, there were a lot of people telling me that I was crazy for recommending Mike Evans, and, and it worked out, obviously, in, in the favor of those who listen to me. Now, um, am I wrong at times? Absolutely. But I get people all the time who look things in retrospect and say, how could you have had this guy this low or this high? This is your chance to compete against us, because Bobby and I are both going to be taking part in this competition. And again, it's it's tiers where you're selecting from a certain amount of players, where it's just it's almost like rankings. So Join the fun. It's only a dollar and a chance to win a lifetime subscription. Man, that's awesome. 
Tags, I saw somebody blasting Sean Corner on Twitter. He said, I'm not ever listening to that guy again. I can't believe he's number one in the expert accuracy rankings. He got my start sit wrong two weeks in a row. I'm never trusting him again. And it's like, <laughs> dude, do you realize, like, if we could get 100%, we would not be doing this. We would be making bonkers money doing fantasy football, right? I mean, we're better than the public consensus. We really are. Like a start set decision for the public consensus is 50 to 55% accuracy. A good expert, 65 to 70%. That's substantially better, but you still miss 30% of the time, like even corner, right? Yeah. If we had a crystal ball, this game wouldn't even be fun. I, I talked about this one week yes. that I did the primer. I, I mentioned it saying, you know, all these crazy things that are happening, but would we have it any other way? I don't think we would, because if it was too predictive, then we wouldn't have any fun playing it. We wouldn't have any fun discussing it it there would be one opinion everybody would know what happened that's why football is such a great game it's so fun you're right man all right so let's move on over to start of the week and instead of just doing like straight up only start of the week sit of the week and then bold predictions at the end we're going to go comprehensive like i mentioned we're going to be talking about a lot of players who are on the fringe i mean as we'll start at quarterback okay tags i'm looking at the must starts Cam Newton, Russell Wilson, Tom Brady, Big Ben, Drew Brees. I think Philip Rivers and Matthew Stafford, too. Then we've got like eight or nine guys that people are all wondering about. All the questions are about these guys. So, Tags, tell me like your top two or three out of this group. We've got Case Keenum at Green Bay. Alex Smith face Miami. Nick Foles face Oakland. Dak Prescott face Seattle. Blake Bortles against... I laugh every time I say his name because it's just amazing what's happened mm-hmm. this season. Blake Bortles at San Francisco. Jared Goff at Tennessee. Matt Ryan at New Orleans, which at the start of the season, I'll tell you what, everyone thought he would be the quarterback one this week, right? Matt Ryan at New Orleans, Kirk Cousins at Denver, uh, Jameis Winston at Carolina, and Joe Flacco face Indianapolis. So who of those three, uh, which three of those do you like tags? Well, I want to go back. I do not think that Ben Roethlisberger deserves to be in the conversation of guys that you must start this week. I want to make that clear. Really? At this, yeah, I really, I do because I, I just got done finish. Well, I, I just got finished writing this game up for the week, and it's something that I've, I've like revisited so many times this year, and it's like a gift that keeps on giving. And that is Ben Roethlisberger not playing well on the road. Everybody, everybody seems to think that Ben Roethlisberger is, it's going to be this. This is the week, Mike. This is the week he turns it around because they can't give a reason why he struggles on the road. Nobody knows why, but he just does. Okay. Over the last four seasons, he has played twenty nine games on the road in those games he averages 267 yards passing 1.1 touchdowns and one interception his fantasy points are at 14.3 points per game now to give you a comparison because when you hear things in a podcast it's difficult to kind of process uh, what you're taking in and as a comparison in 2017 the quarterback who is his numbers are most similar to when he's on the road is Jay Cutler this year Jay Cutler has 18 touchdowns and 14 interceptions Roethlisberger is on pace for 18 touchdowns, 16 interceptions on the road. That's what I'm saying is like when, when you when you t- kind of take out all these numbers, you have to take things at, you know, looking at the giant scope of things. And again, every single time that Roethlisberger plays on the road, everybody's like, this is the week, Mike. The matchup's just too good. And I understand Houston is that bad of a team where you want to start him. But we also can't forget he's going to be without Antonio Brown, which is the number one receiver, uh, I mean, he's the go-to guy. He doesn't have that go-to guy in the offense anymore. So I think that Roethlisberger is still a low-end QB1, but I would rather start Blake Bortles over him this week. I was just going to ask you that, and uh, that is so incredible. Um, I'll tell you why. And no one can figure out why he's not good uh, in away games. I know exactly why. 
He's got a Lisa mattress in Pittsburgh that he doesn't bring to him uh, to away games, right? <laughs> it might be the case. Who knows? I have no idea what it is. And that's the thing is, I think we had Chris Harris. I think I want to say he's the one who said it on our show um, earlier yeah. this year. He's like, you know, if I can't if I can't give you a reason why he struggles on the road, then I don't think it's real. When we have a four year sample where he averages almost double the fantasy points that he does uh, at, on, at, on the road or on, at home than he does on the road, there's a legit trend here. This is not a small sample size. This is over a span of 29 games. So, again, there are positives in this matchup. I don't want to throw those away, but I also don't think that he's a must start. I would also consider starting Jared Goff over him. You mentioned him in those names. Wow. But Jared Goff going against the Titans. The Titans have allowed 23 passing scores in the, in the season, four touchdowns to three different quarterbacks. They have gotten better allowing just two passing touchdowns in their last four games. And I know we've talked about that with the pass rush, and you've mentioned some of those stats. But we have to keep in mind that they've played against Jacoby Brissett, Tom Savage, Blaine Gabbert, and then Jimmy Garoppolo. Garoppolo, again, two of those... The best quarterback ever? (laughs) Yeah, two of those quarterbacks did throw for 360-plus yards. So now that he has Robert Woods back, I think we can start Jared Goff as a a low-end QB1 in... It's just kind of gone overlooked in how good the Titans run defense is, is that Todd Gurley's going to have difficulty getting things going on the ground. They're going to use him in the passing game. I just think that Jared Goff is a much safer option than Ben Roethlisberger. And honestly, I think he comes with just as much upside this week. You know, I've got to say, I was on the complete opposite side saying, like, who cares that he's bad uh, in away games? Like, there's no reason to that. You've talked me onto the other side just a little bit, okay? But listen to this, okay? His last three away games, QB 12 against Detroit. QB 10 against the Colts, QB 8 against the Bengals. Houston's the worst defense of them all, and it's really not even close. Last two weeks, 96 pass attempts, 787 yards for four touchdowns. You're going to st- you're gonna sit that guy? Like, I've got Ben Roethlisberger as my number four quarterback. Jared Goff's number 14, man. I, I think you're way too high on Ben, and I'm going to say that. And that's the thing. You talk through those numbers. All of those games were with Antonio Brown at his disposal and taking away someone like Antonio Brown, who makes Ben Roethlisberger look better than he is. I'm, I'm telling you, man, like if you have him in the QB one range, I don't blame you because the matchup is that good. Like seriously, the Texans ever since week six, there's been one quarterback who's failed to score at least 15.1 fantasy points against them, which is, which is the high end QB two type, you know, numbers. That's why I'm, I'm not willing to move Ben Roethlisberger outside the top 15 or anything, but I'm saying that it's more of like a low end one high end two who does come with some risk. Whereas, you know, guys like Blake Bortles who, and let's make a case for, let's talk about Bortles right now, because obviously, you know, he's played well the last couple of weeks. He, he has completed actually 65 of 91 attempts. That's 71.4% uh, completion rate. He's thrown for 9.9 yards per attempt, seven touchdowns, no interceptions. And now the reason that I am fully confident, some people are like, well, Mike, are you worried that, you know, they're going to beat San Francisco, that San Francisco is going to be really good, yada, yada, yada. Not really. San Francisco has been playing a lot better, especially against the run. They've only allowed, I want to say, what? Actually, it's zero rushing touchdowns over the last four weeks that they've allowed. Leonard Fournette is coming back to this game at less than 100%. They're in the playoffs. They have an outside chance to win that first round bye, but they don't need to run Leonard Fournette 20 to 25 times in this game. I think they lean on Blake Bortles uh, with D.D. Westbrook, with Keelan Cole, and I think Blake Bortles, honestly, I think he's like a top eight fantasy quarterback this week and one that I am I'm so ready to play. The 49ers, since the start of week three, have allowed at least 18 fantasy points to to nine of 12 quarterbacks. 
The only three quarterbacks who didn't were Carson Palmer, Drew Stanton, both Cardinals, and Mitch Trubisky. So who probably threw like 10 passes that game, right? Yeah, I've got Blake Bortles in the top 12. Um, you know, I'm of the four quarterbacks he picked up, two of them I have lower than Blake Bortles. So it got, I guess it could have been worse. Like I could be out here starting Marcus Mariota this week, which, you know, it might end up all right. Um, probably not, though, like five, five percent chance. So don't start Marcus Mariota. There's a reason I didn't even mention him as an option. Uh, same with Derek Carr at Philadelphia, Jimmy Garoppolo at Jacksonville. I know he's got the highest quarterback rating of all time for quarterbacks with over 200 pass attempts. And he's never lost a football game, but you do not start him against Jacksonville, right, Tags? No, no, I'm not playing Jimmy Garoppolo at all. Like, and that's the thing is some people have said, oh, Jimmy Garoppolo has played a cupcake schedule. You can't trust him. I don't I don't find that to be true at all. I think that if you if you say that, I don't think you've watched the games because Jimmy Garoppolo, I've watched every game and uh, he's looked fantastic. Like he's uh, he's doing everything and he, right. He so. could be significantly better, like. He could have an extra four or five touchdowns, and I think he's going to have positive regression that way. Just not this week. Well, on top of the fa- on top of that, he's he's playing with Marquise Goodwin as his number one receiver. I understand Marquise Goodwin is better than people thought, but he's still five nine. He's not a number one wide receiver. He's not a possession guy, but they're using him as such. So it's it's really it's something what Jimmy G's doing. But you don't play quarterbacks against Jacksonville, including Jimmy Garoppolo. But the one player I really don't understand, and I'm looking at the ECR right now. Nick Foles is a top 10 quarterback in the rankings. Blake Bortles is number 12. Jared Goff is 13. Matt Ryan's 14. No, I have no idea why this is happening. Guys, Nick Foles played the Giants last week. Yes, he threw four touchdowns. I don't, I'm not going to trust that against Oakland. By the way, Oakland, they were a really bad defense for a long time. But ever since they fired their defensive coordinator, they have turned this this team around. They've played against Geno Smith, Alex Smith, and Dak Prescott over the last three weeks. They've allowed one touchdown while intercepting three passes. They've turned a corner. I'm telling you, they, I mean, they, they look like a better defense over the last few weeks. And I don't think that they're, I mean, their run defense is still quite miserable. So we should see Philadelphia's run game go. There is not a chance that you can convince me to start Nick Foles over Blake Bortles or Jared Goff. Not a chance. Not even close for me. I've got Nick Foles at number 15. You nailed it. There's no way he's getting four touchdowns again. I mean, I guess there is, but it's very unlikely. He did not really earn those four touchdowns. He didn't have the greatest game. Um, So Nick Foles, for me, is number 15, uh, which means you're going to find someone you like better as a streamer. Uh, I do like Blake Bortles, but of the list, Case Keenum, Alex Smith, I have no problem starting either of them. They're both in my top nine. What about you, Tex? I'm a little concerned about Keenum. Uh, I'm concerned because the Packers are not going to put points on the board. That that we know. Um, Brett Hundley has yet to throw a touchdown pass at home this year. He has thrown five interceptions there, no touchdowns. It's a game where the the you know it should be a run heavy game script. I already talked about the fact that it's supposed to be. I think it's supposed to be like two degrees there. That's that's the temperature what it's supposed to be. That's not including the wind chill, which is likely to be maybe ten below. So it's not ideal conditions for a passing game. It is a division game, which you should typically lower expectations in those games. So that's my only concern with Keenum. I still think that he belongs in the QB one conversation. I'm not going to move him out of there, but there are concerns about him. Uh, And Alex Smith, the who should be MVP candidate, Alex Smith, we're entering week 16. Alex Smith has a five to one touchdown to interception ratio. He has 25 touchdowns, five interceptions. He's averaging 8.02 yards per attempt. And yet, some people still believe that Alex Smith is the reason the Chiefs have lost six of the last nine games. He's not. My, I, he's not at all. The reason I th- I'm okay with him this week, the Dolphins have shown improvement in their defense, but at the same time, 
they've allowed just two touchdowns to Trevor Simeon, and then it was Tom Brady, but then it was Tyrod Taylor. So Tom Brady, it was a division game. I always tell you guys to lower expectations for those games, but that was also at home. The The Dolphins have allowed 27 points per game on the road compared to just 20 points at home. So this favors Alex Smith. Uh, they, they obviously play better at home. Kareem Hunt's running the ball well. I have no issue with Alex Smith, and he's someone where if I had Alex Smith and Ben Roethlisberger, those are two I'd have a tough time deciding between. Now, Tags, uh, Kirk Cousins and Jameis Winston are both 15 and 16 in ECR. So most experts are saying don't start either of these guys. I actually have Winston in my top 10 against Carolina, who's been struggling against the pass. And Kirk Cousins is number 12 for me. He's faced Denver, but Denver gives up a ton of touchdowns through the air. I'd rather start either of them than Jared Goff or Dak Prescott, who's ECR number 11, probably without Tyron Smith. I'm not whole, I'm not sold in the Jameis Winston one. Uh, Jameis Winston struggled against Carolina in both their games last year. He threw just one touchdown. If you go back to their Week 8 matchup this year when he was at home, he threw for just 210 yards, no touchdowns, two interceptions. Hurricane. It, that was that was not a, hur- a hurricane, but it, it was a storm for sure. And it I'm was not a tropical say- storm, man. It was 50 mile per hour no, winds. No, there was not. You need to go back and watch the tape of that game. It was not that crazy. Now, it was it windy? Yeah, I think I, I think it, <laughs> it was, was worse. A, it was a tropical storm warning going on right then. Shenanigans. There's tornado warnings, and nothing ever happens too. So I'm not buying that. But anyways, Jameis Winston did he look better last week? Yes. But here's the concern with him: he may not have Deshaun Jackson. His offensive line is torn to shreds. They're now down three starting offensive linemen. Uh, Mike Evans looked fantastic last week. Yes, I, I'll give you that. Um, but Cameron Brait is playing on a bum knee. He We saw his snaps trending down, but now he's going to be asked to play a bigger role because O.J. Howard is now on IR. He was placed on IR earlier today. So this team is kind of falling out down around him. I just worry about the protection for him. He has disappeared at times in the season. Again, this is a divisional game. They're 10-point underdogs. Like, their, their team implied total is like 18 points. So I have my concerns about Jameis Winston. Uh, as for Kirk Cousins, the Broncos have looked better um, recently. They've only, they haven't allowed a single touchdown the last two weeks. They've uh, Their pass rush has generated 11 sacks over the last five games, while the Redskins have allowed Cousins to be sacked 15 times in the last five games. So I just don't know if the offensive line will hold up for Kirk Cousins to find anyone in that game. Uh, and I, I also don't think they match up very well. Uh, Jamison Crowder will see Chris Harris Jr. Josh Doxson's going to see a mix of Bradley Roby and Akeem Tlaib. So they really need Vernon Davis to step up for Kirk Cousins to do anything in that matchup. Uh, so honestly, I, I, I'm i I'm down on those guys, and they are outside my top 12. We've got to go back to Jamis Winston, because I can't let you get away with that comment that he's disappeared. He's been hurt in two games that he started. Okay, uh, So 10, 10 attempts, 13 people attempts. People still played him. He played people in a tropical storm on. once. And besides his, besides those games, listen, hold on. Besides those games, 18 fantasy points, 26, 18, 26, 20, 18, 25. His floor is 18 fantasy points if he doesn't get hurt. 18, man. Carolina's not playing good. You got to start Jameis Winston. I disagree on the fact that, I, I mean, I think if you watch, if, if you sit back, honestly, I don't, and I'm not sure the stats that you're, that you're referencing, because I, I have him below 18 fantasy points quite a few times, even to start the year, he just finished with 12 and 15. So I think the scoring settings might be a little bit different. Uh, I don't know if it's six point touchdowns that you're referencing, but if you watch James Winston, I'm, I'm on fantasy pros website, man. So I don't, I don't know where you're okay. looking. So, the, so those scoring settings must be different because I like I'm using fantasy data, which is one we, we actually used to supply our stats. So I'm confused on it, but I, I, I want to say that Jameis Winston, if you go and you watch the games that Jameis Winston plays, 
he's not a top 12 quarterback. Like he's just not very good. Agreed. And I understand the, the fantasy points have been there and that's fine. But do I want to continue to expect those to happen with such bad quarterback play? I really don't. And honestly, would it shock you if Carolina controls this clock? Tampa Bay can't stop the run. They can't stop the pass. They can't stop anything. This game is in Carolina. So he's on the road in a divisional matchup. There's nothing good that can come out of that. And in, in, in my opinion, now, Jameis, is he a high end QB two? Sure. But having him around like QB 15, I think his ECR is exactly where it should be. He hasn't thrown fewer than 30 passes once this season. Blake Bortles hasn't thrown more than 30 passes six times this season. Blake Bortles is a worse quarterback than Jameis Winston. If you're going to go out there and start someone who's not a good quarterback, let it be Jameis Winston instead of Blake Bortles, right? Wait a minute. So Bortles, that's the thing is like if you would ask me that at the beginning of the year. Yeah, but Bortles has been playing better. He's been playing better football than Jameis Winston like and that's not even close I've and it's, been it's watching really, man I'm a Jags fan and Blake Bortles is still not good uh, I just dis- I, I disagree protection. I think I think he's played fantastic the last three weeks like fantastic and I I'm not overlooking that um I I, I Jameis Winston I've watched man <laughs> and I'm telling you I'm a I'm a Jameis Winston fan I think he has all the tools to eventually become a great quarterback if he puts everything together but to this point I, I don't know, man. I mean, it does help that the, the Panthers are going to be without Thomas Davis. I will say that he's he's one of their their better linebackers in that team. So that does help Jameis. But it also hurts, as I mentioned, if he doesn't have Deshaun Jackson. By the way, what I tell you, one game on Thomas Davis there. It did. Yeah, I got knocked down to one game. So uh, you're definitely correct on that one. All right. Last one. Matt Ryan starter sit. Start. I think that game has uh, shootout potential written all over it. It's just, I don't know. The biggest turnaround for that Saints defense is Marshawn Lattimore. And they trusted him to cover Julio Jones one-on-one. And Julio, he did fine. Like, it wasn't like a matchup where, like, like you, you want... You, you, like you want for Julio, but if they're going to trust him in one-on-one coverage, I do think that some good things can come out of that. Um, I don't know, man. It's in the, it's in New Orleans. You know the Saints are going to put up points on the board, so I just see this as being a shootout. In their first game, you know the one they played a couple of weeks ago, Matt Ryan only threw the ball just twenty seven times. Uh, I know he threw three he threw three interceptions in that game, which was probably one of his worst games of the year. Um, but again, in New Orleans, it's a sneaky shootout. Would I start him over? Like names like Bortles or Goff? No, but I I do think that if you're looking at him and someone like Jameis Winston, I'd rather play play Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan has one top nine quarterback performance this year. He has three top 14 performances this year. New Orleans has a really good pass defense. Not really good, but it's pretty good. Like the chances of him being a top 14 quarterback this week, I would say is pretty slim. I'm not starting Matt Ryan. Yeah, I mean, it's fair. And that's what I'm saying. Matt Ryan, though, it's oddly enough, he's played better on the road this year. He's averaged 260 yards, 1.6 touchdowns compared to just 238 yards and 1.0 touchdowns at home. So, uh, man, uh, again, this is not a matchup I'm like targeting. If I have my choice of streamers, it's definitely Bortles. Like that's who I'm playing uh, okay. in my leagues myself. But if Bortles is gone, if Goff is gone and you're looking at Matt Ryan or like you said, Kirk Cousins, Jameis Winston, those guys in that territory, I'd rather play Matt Ryan. You're making me feel a lot better about Bortles tags, but I'm just so worried he's going to put up like six fantasy points, man. <laughs> I mean, if he does that against the 49ers, I'll I'll 
I'll concede, which, but the thing is, is it's the 49ers there. There have been a lot of bad quarterbacks, including Marcus Mariota last week, who's been playing awful the entire season, throwing for 241 yeah. yards, two touchdowns. And that's essentially what we're looking for is a 250 yard game, two touchdown. We're not, we're not expecting miracles out of Blake Bortles, but we do know that his ceiling is roughly 300 yards and three touchdowns. If the Titans offered the Jags this offseason, Marcus Mariota straight up for Blake Bortles. Do you think the Jags turn it down? I mean, it's not no, going to happen, but like no. we're we're at a point. No, we're Mariota. at a point here. You think so? I uh, he was so bad this year. Man and Bortles was like you said, pretty good. We were talking about Mariota as maybe being the best quarterback in football after this year, right? I did not. For the record, I was always team Jameis in, in the debate between Jameis and Mariota. I felt like Jameis has the tools to become a more dominant quarterback in the league, whereas Mariota was, I, I felt like he was going to be a foundation quarterback, but I did have my concerns. I think we talked to John Paulson and I, uh, at the beginning of the year, because I talked to someone in a chat about it the other day and um, they're like, I remember on, yeah, you had, uh, I think it was John on the show where we talked about it and I was concerned about Mariota's his touchdown regression because his touchdown rate last year was like elite. It was like 7%, which is something that is reserved for the greats of all time. And I don't think that Mariota is like Kurt Warner that. territory. Kurt Warner. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, Mariota, he's looked so bad this year. And that's the thing is like even before Mariota last week throwing two touchdowns, you go back to TJ Yates, 175 yards and two touchdowns in relief of Tom Savage. So, I mean, this defense <laughs> is just is so bad. The 49ers don't have an answer for D.D. Westbrook. They don't have an answer for Keelan Cole. It's just not looking good, man. All right, before we jump on over to running back, I want to talk for a minute about one of the sponsors of today's show, SeatGeek. The NFL playoffs are coming up, and as someone who doesn't really enjoy traveling much, I think driving like four or five hours, going and watching a playoff football game, even if they're not my team, and then staying overnight, I think that's a great trip. I think that's better than going to the beach and getting all sandy and stuff. So I'm eyeing Chief tickets on SeatGeek's app in case they do pull out home field advantage in the first week. I used to always spend a long time searching around other sites to finally find a decent value. Now that I've got the SeatGeek app on my phone, it is by far the easiest way I've found to shop for tickets. I can be anywhere with just a few taps, can instantly find the best value across multiple ticket sites. I don't have to look at all these sites anymore. I can just look on the SeatGeek app. SeatGeek saves you time and money by grading the value of every seat across multiple sites. Plus, every purchase is fully guaranteed, so you can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with confidence. Make SeatGeek your go-to app for finding the best deals on every type of ticket, from sports and concerts to comedy and theater. And best of all, our listeners get $20 off their first SeatGeek purchase. Just download the SeatGeek app and enter the promo code FANTASYPROS today. That's promo code FANTASYPROS, all one word, for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. All right, Tag, so let's go on to running back, and uh, I want to start at C.J. Anderson here. Like, I'm not sure everyone's aware of this. He's a must-start. 52 carries in the last two weeks and a good matchup. I've got him over players like Carlos Hyde, Jay Ajayi, Marshawn Lynch, and even Jamal Williams. So, um, you know, I think these are going to be kind of the range. I don't think we're going to be talking about guys like running back 32, should I start him? If you made the championship, you've probably got three guys better than running back 32, right, Tags? Yeah, you most likely do. But C.J. Anderson, yeah, it's been really interesting. It's ever been since they fired their offensive coordinator. C.J. Anderson has been getting more and more involved where they've kind of gone away from Jamal Charles, which honestly, it took way too long for them to realize that because Jamal Charles, if this was if this wasn't like a Super Bowl team, they should have immediately moved on, cut Jamal Charles, let him go to a different team, something. Uh, but yeah, C.J. Anderson has been the one to kind of trust uh, in this offense, one of the only ones to trust. Washington has been a kind of a stomping ground for opposing running backs. Um, so I mean, I 
I, I agree with you. I think that he's a must start. If you have him on your roster, it's unlikely that you have three running backs who are a better play than him. Right. So tags who in this range is somebody that, uh, that you wouldn't start. Like, are you avoiding DeMarco Murray or is the Rams matchup good enough that you're willing to even start him? Yeah. The matchup with the Rams is, is not one that I'm necessarily afraid of for DeMarco Murray. Uh, the game script probably favors him a lot. We talked about it quite a bit on this show and the fact that he plays the passing downs. Uh, and you know, there's two ways this game can go. One, if Tennessee's winning, they're going to grind it out. And obviously we're going to see both DeMarco Murray and Derek Henry. Do we think that's going to happen against the Rams? Probably not. Uh, if they do fall behind, Derrick Henry doesn't play much when they fall behind, which means DeMarco Murray would be in on the passing downs. And again, the Rams, if there's one weakness on that defense, it's against the run. One player that I would not start is that going back to the whole C.J. Anderson thing, I would not play the guy on the other sideline this week. Samaje Pirine reminds me of like a Frank Gore type play this week. And I mean, it's not to say that you, you don't play him like by all means necessary, but if you have somebody that you're debating like DeMarco Murray, I'd rather play Murray over Pirine. P. Ryan against the Broncos, while they've struggled as a team this year, their run defense has been legit. They've only allowed 3.3 yards per carry, six rushing touchdowns. The, the last couple of weeks, P. Ryan has just looked very mediocre, kind of like how he did at the beginning of the season. So whatever that burst was that he had, you know, in, in those weeks, what was it, 12 to thir- 12 and 13 or something like that? It's gone. Uh, so this Denver team matches up extremely well with him and he doesn't offer too much in the passing game. He's only caught six passes for 36 yards over the last two weeks combined. So I I think he's just like a volume RB three RB four play and a very boring one. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. I've got him uh, like, like how far down do you have him? I have him at running back 31. So, I mean, there's plenty of guys I have above him. Frank Gore is one of them. Yeah, he well, he's definitely he's in that RB 30 to 35 range for me. Um, I haven't I, I it's like I, as, throughout, as I go through the week, I end up fine tuning things and going through and finding the injuries that impact fantasy players and whatnot. But yeah, he's going to be in that low end RB three category for me. What about like Kerwin Williams? Would you start him against the Giants? I mean, AP's out. Kerwin's been getting, you know, 15 to 20 touches every single game. He's going to get it again. The Giants are horrible. I know he's not like a sexy fantasy player, but I've got him in my top 30. I have no problem with starting Kerwin Williams this week if you don't have better guys. Yeah, he's in that same territory. That's like the, that's the players I'm torn on because Kerwin Williams, he's another guy that doesn't offer you anything in the passing game. He doesn't he also doesn't rack up very much yardage. We've seen his yardage go down the last couple of weeks and which which ultimately means if he doesn't score, he's going to let you down. And that's what it really is. I mean, he's a body, he's a high floor option like he's just like P Ryan I think I'd, I'd put them in the same thing I'd probably start P Ryan over him just because P Ryan does maybe add two or three receptions per game whereas Williams I think topped out at one he hasn't scored a touchdown since week one there's just all sorts of worries there Drew Stanton starting at quarterback that obviously I think it's a downgrade from Blaine Gabbert so I'm not a huge fan of Kerwin Williams um one player Bobby I wanted to ask for your opinion on because I might be too high on him and that's Jonathan Stewart did you know that Jonathan Stewart ranks 14th among running backs and carries this year? Most would be shocked to find out that he that like basically Christian McCaffrey, he's like out carrying him a ton. You're seeing uh, Jonathan Stewart get 15 carries a game, essentially. And it's it's just a consistent thing going up against this this Bucks run defense that is going to be without Gerald McCoy, a team that cannot stop the run to save their life. My bold prediction last week was that uh, Devonta Freeman went for 150 yards and two touchdowns. He did. But the, the one touchdown was overturned because of that stupid fumble um, that, that they recovered in the end zone. I don't even want to talk about that. Uh, probably cost me 
a pretty penny in DFS, but Jonathan Stewart, I feel like he's like a must-play RB2 this week. Are we talking like a million dollars, man? Like if, if you had a chance to win a million dollars and Devontae Freeman, if, the, if that fumble blew it, like you got to tell everybody. It wasn't uh, it wasn't a million dollars. It cost me probably, okay. <laughs> I, I want to say it was, I, I want to say the difference was about like $900. $900, man. What are you in middle school? That's nothing. It, get out of here. <laughs> there's, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of guys that are listening to this show that would love to win nine hundred dollars playing DFS. And it was just, just like messing. A, I, I would no, love to win nine hundred dollars. But, but it was on, but, but it was on a small it was on a small slate too. So it wasn't like I was playing heavy or anything like that. So, but yeah, it would have been nice. A little. I mean, I still won. I still won some money playing DFS. I had a lot of Devonta Freeman. I had a lot of Mike Evans. So um, I did well, but it could have been better. Is all I'm saying. Let me ask you this, Tags. Would you rather start a running back who has nine? Fantasy relevant weeks, that's top 30 or 10. <laughs> You're setting me up for failure here, dude. What are you asking me? I'm, wa- I'm waiting for your answer. You, you, you know the answer, so just get on. <laughs> the answer is that Tags would rather start Duke Johnson with 10 fantasy relevant weeks than LaShawn McCoy with nine. Is that what you're saying, Tags? <laughs> Duke Johnson is a must start. He gets it. He, he gets it done 10 out of 14 weeks this season. So I know Chicago is not the best defense to go against, but he's ECR number 35. I have him within my top 30 every single week because the odds of him being top 30 is about 70%. It just is. Yeah, he's um he's someone that I, I hold a little bit of a grudge against because I, I, I remember the one week that I said, you know what, I'm going to trust him in my cash game because he has been uber efficient. Like most people don't understand how efficient Duke Johnson's been, how consistent he's been. Uh, but then, of course, that week was the week where he scored like like I think it was two points. So it was really uh, I'm holding a grudge against Duke Johnson. But the matchup against the Bears is a pretty good one. They just put Parnell McPhee on, on the IR, another one of their linebackers down for the year. This game is again taking place in Chicago. We're in late December. The the you know it's not likely to be very ideal passing temperatures. So if if we look at the Bears and what they allow to running backs, it, ha- it hasn't been much on the ground. I think you can move the ball through the air a little bit more if they line him up as like a wide receiver. Um, try and make things easier for Deshaun Kaiser because he's pushing the ball downfield too much. He's making stupid decisions. If you haven't checked down to Duke Johnson a lot more, it's going to create space for the guys down the field. So Duke Johnson, yeah. I can never trust that coaching staff, though. That's the problem is because they said he was going to get more work. And he's seen more than seven carries just once all season. Yeah, Tags, you're right. Duke Johnson does only have more than seven rushes one time, but he's also on pace for like 70 plus receptions. If you had a wide receiver on pace for 70 plus receptions, you would start him every single week. And Duke Johnson gets five rushes a game. Yeah, well, it's uh, that's the crazy part is that Duke Johnson has been ultra efficient. He's already scored more fantasy points this year than he has in each of his first two seasons, even though his touches are pretty much in line. Like he's not seeing much more work. He's just scored six touchdowns this season, whereas in the past two seasons, he scored just uh, three touchdowns combined. So I don't know if that keeps up, but there's there's touchdown regression expected in there because he only has one hundred and thirty three touches on the year. So. I, I don't think that he can keep scoring a touchdown every 20 touches or whatever it is. So, um, man, it's tough. But I do understand if you're in a PPR league, I think that you bump him up your board. But there's one player, Bobby, I feel the need to mention before we move on to wide receiver and uh, or another running back. Alex Collins, there's been questions. And, and honestly, during the week, I'm going through my process. I don't get to answer many sit start questions. And I try not to because I don't have all the information yet. Uh, but Alex Collins has been popping up nonstop in my inbox asking, should I start him? Should I not? And yes, the answer is absolutely yes. The Colts defense has allowed 
196 yards to the Broncos running backs last week, 192 yards to the Bills running backs last week. Each team had 42 carries against them. The Ravens are at home in this game. Their their defense is going to take care of the Colts offense. The game script is perfect for Alex Collins. So he like I, I didn't think it was a question to me personally, but a lot of people have asked it. So I'm I'm saying that Alex Collins is a must play this week. I've been seeing his name too in my inbox a ton, and uh, it was really surprising. But you have to remember, I mean, these championship teams are loaded. Um, like I would start Alex Collins though above Leonard Fournette. I'd start him above Jordan Howard, Christian McCaffrey, um, Lamar Miller, Carlos Hyde, Marshawn Lynch. All those guys, no question. So yeah, Alex Collins. I mean, I can't imagine he's not one of your top three running backs. Tags, let me give you a scenario here, okay, man? Because there's three more running backs I want to touch on before we move on. Let's say you're really good at fantasy football, and you've got Le'Veon Bell and Todd Gurley. Okay, you got them in rounds one and two. And then for your flex, you have to decide between Joe Mixon, Isaiah Crowell, Mike Davis and Derrick Henry. Which of those four are you picking? Mixon for sure if he plays. Like if he plays, I'm playing against Detroit. Detroit's been awful against the run ever since losing Haloti Nada. Um, they're just not a very good run defense. I think they've allowed eleven rushing touchdowns in their last I think it's last six games. They they've just been pathetic. They've been awful. Uh so Joe Mixon, if he gets cleared in time from this concussion, which as of this moment he still hasn't, which is really worrisome because it's been two and a half weeks now. Um but if he plays, uh, he's in my lineup for sure. If he plays, is he getting 20 touches again or is he going to get like five? He is. He's getting 20 touches. And that's the thing. Like I've I've made that clear because I was actually getting like bombarded on Sunday morning uh, from this guy and on Twitter saying that the, the, the Saints aren't going to use Alvin Kamara a lot coming back from his concussion. Are you dumb? Blah, blah. Why would you have him ranked as a top 10 running back? And guys, a concussion is different than everything, every other injury. Like if someone's coming back from a knee injury, they're coming back from a shoulder injury. If they're coming back from some sort of body injury that is not their head that can be re-injured, like nothing changes from a concussion. If Joe Mixon clears the concussion protocol. It's not like you're playing hurt or anything or you're limited. Correct. Exactly. And that's what I'm saying. If he's back, I am trusting him just as I normally would. Okay, so let's take Mixon out then. Crowell, Mike Davis, Derrick Henry, and we'll throw in Theo Riddick, too. You playing any of those four guys? And if you had to choose one, who are you taking? I don't even know if Theo Riddick's going to play. Apparently, he has a wrist issue. Um, so it might be Amir Abdullah in, in his role, plus Theo Riddick's role this week, which would be interesting. Honestly, whew, I'm not really a fan of any of those running backs you talked about. I mean, Mike Davis, maybe that's the the one that I would go with, because I think he's the one with the best chance of uh, Seattle going in and blowing out the, the Cowboys. I think that's... The most likely of the scenarios, I know they're a five-point underdog, which is really mind-blowing to me. I don't think the Cowboys should be favored by almost a touchdown against anybody, let alone Russell Wilson-led offense. So uh, I would say Mike Davis is the one I would go with of those guys. Me too. Yep. All right. So we're going to get going to wide receivers in just a minute. But first, I want to tell you all about Lisa Mattresses. So my family's been dealing with this cold for a few weeks, and I don't have to tell you this, but there's nothing worse than not being able to sleep because of a cold and you're just up all night and you want to get better, so you need to sleep. That hasn't been an issue at all with my Lisa mattress. As soon as I lay down, I'm asleep like a rock. I mean, I don't think I've even lasted five minutes before I fell asleep any night since I got this mattress. And I'll bet you, you'll have a similar experience because Lisa mattresses really are the best. You can see for yourself as Lisa is offering 100 nights risk-free and with free shipping. And we've got a promo code for you if you want to try it. It's going to get you $100 off your order. Just go to lisa.com slash fantasypros. That's L-E-E. SA.com slash fantasy pros for a hundred dollars off your mattress order. Okay, Tags, where do you want to start here at wide receiver? 
All right. At wide receiver, I want to talk about someone that it's really tough for me to recommend him this week, but it's also tough for me not to after the way he played last week. And that's Sterling Shepard. Um, he plays about 75% of his snaps out of the slot. And the reason this is so interesting to me is because Patrick Peterson has been a cornerback who hasn't traditionally gone into the slot to cover wide receivers. Now, it reminded me when I started writing up this game, I was like, there was a very, very similar situation last year when Stefan Diggs was going on a terror throughout the league and he was he was just eating up opposing defenses. He escaped playing against top tier cornerbacks because he played out of the slot. The Cardinals were asked about it. Bruce Arians, they asked and they said, will you allow him to cover Stefan Diggs? Being that there was no legitimate number two at the time because Adam Thielen was still not considered like a good receiver at that point, they said, we're not going to put that out of question. And Patrick Peterson did, in fact, go in the slot to cover Stefan Diggs in that game, who had been again, he was extremely hot coming into that game in that game. I went back and looked at it. He scored. He uh, he saw seven targets. He finished with six catches for 37 yards. So Patrick Peterson was able to stay underneath him, keep the plays in front of him. He played well out of the slot. That is my concern with with Sterling Shepard this week. So if you're looking at someone like Sterling Shepard or someone like D.D. Westbrook, I'm I'm probably going to lean Westbrook. Westbrook, okay. Yeah, I mean, those two are fairly close for me. I've got Westbrook a little bit higher as well. Uh, ECR has Shepard one spot higher. I mean, you look at Shepard, last week he had 16 targets. What's the over-under on for him this week? Like eight? I would say it's still, I would say that I'd set the over-under at seven and a half this week. Seven and a half. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, he's not getting 16 targets this week. Eli Manning's not throwing 57 passes. It's against Arizona. So, you know, the really interesting thing to me in this game, I would love to see Patrick Peterson go to offense and be a wide receiver. Like I'd start him in the fantasy championship this week in his first game ever at wide receiver. Why, why don't teams do that? They do it in high school. We've seen it a few times in college. Like you've got this world-class athlete in Patrick Peterson, just put him at wide receiver and see what happens. What's it going to hurt? I just feel like we're at the age in, in sports where it's like, these are such finely tuned athletic machines essentially is what they are. And I think if they try to get them to focus on too many things at once, it can, it can limit what they would do on the other side of the ball. I'd rather keep them on the one side and have them be elite at that one thing than really good at both things. I, I just, I'll take his elite defense. They need wide receivers though. I'll tell you what, if Jalen Ramsey saw Patrick Peterson on the other side, he would legitimately poop in his pants right there on the field. He would be scared to death. You can't guard this guy. <laughs> That's too funny. And by the way, if you want to back on my timeline, it was um, I think it was last week or the week before. If you went on my Twitter timeline, you can see uh, Devontae Adams wrote an article talking about the toughest cornerbacks that he's played in the NFL. And he said, Patrick Peterson, if you go and read it, it's really neat to have a wide receiver's perspective on what makes a cornerback really good and, and some of the best. He said that Patrick Peterson is hands down the best cornerback that he's ever played against. And uh, he just said it's ridiculous the way he's able to get up to speed, his change of direction, everything. So that's why when you say wide receiver, I don't I don't laugh at it because like the, the guy's a ridiculous athlete, but um, he's one of the best in the game. And that's why I'm scared of Sterling Shepard this week. When I play Madden, that's the first thing I do, man. I go in there and I change the depth charts and I get Patrick Peterson as my wide receiver. That's that's so funny, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Madden. What's funny is I actually asked for Madden for Christmas. I haven't played Madden in like five years. And I, for Christmas, my wife asked me what I wanted. And I was like, I really, there's nothing I really, really want. So I was like, you know, just give me Madden. I'll try and play some video games this off season. Um, so I'm going to see how that goes. I haven't played in a while. I'm probably going to get killed. Cool, man. Yeah. Just put Patrick Peterson at wide receiver. You'll be fine. You'll be all right. Uh, the people do want start sit decisions though. So let's talk Keelan Cole. Okay. Right now he's ECR number 33. Where do you have him Tex? 
play him. He's he's in the high end wide receiver three territory for me. Uh, he's a, he's a play. I am there. There's there are little warning signs around him, which is why I prefer Westbrook this week because Keelan Cole before this this outbreak that he just had this past week, he had just three targets in each of uh, week thirteen and week fourteen. So that's obviously concerning. You're not able to sustain continuous production without that. Now Marquise Lee is going to be out for this game. He's not going to play, so that does help. I think both Keelan Cole and Didi Westbrook are startable in one of my leagues. My home league actually uh, I had Antonio Brown go down so I went to the waiver wire and they were both there like I, I didn't think that it's just me not paying attention as much as I should have but D.D. Westbrook and Keelan Cole were there I actually made the choice to go with D.D. Westbrook I, I put in a claim for Cole but I didn't get him to because I just wanted to basically play defense uh, but D.D. Westbrook's the one I'd rather play just because he was the one seeing more consistent targets and even though Dini Westbrook last week didn't pop up on the on the stat sheet you know at 21 yards two catches he did other things he he got two pass interference calls that put them in really good position and against the 49ers again I think there's room for both of these wide receivers to produce the only Bobby and I'll ask you being that you're a Jaguars guy the only concern that I have for Keelan Cole this week is that if Marquise Lee is out which he is he's not going to play I I can promise you that they're going to slide Keelan Cole to the outside. They're going to put him back on the perimeter, which is where he was playing when Alan Hearns was in the starting lineup. Does that hurt his production? Because Keelan Cole wasn't getting nearly as much done playing on the perimeter as he was in the slot. I'm not really too worried about it, man. You watch this kid play and he gets better every single week. Just just listen to this. I mean, the thing is, he only got three targets those weeks because he was playing 60% of the snaps. He's going to play 90 plus this week with Marquise Lee out. He's less than 90 receiving yards behind Marquise Lee, and he has 24 less receptions. Like, they bomb. They throw bombs to Keelan Cole all day because he's big, he's fast, he's got good hands. He's the whole package, man. Like, this is a legitimate wide receiver in this league. It's not a fluke. Someone who just happened to fall into, you know, the depth chart because of injuries. Like, he is a good wide receiver. He's going to eat them alive this week. I'm tempted to put Keelan Cole ahead of D.D. Westbrook this week. It's it's really close for me. Now, let's play a would you rather game. Would you rather play Marquise Goodwin or Keelan Cole? Well, I mean, Marquise Goodwin's going up against Jacksonville. I'm not starting him. I don't have him in my top 35. So Keelan Cole. Yeah, I'm with you. There's a lot of people. There was actually, I think it was Dave uh, Richard from CBS said earlier today that he has Marquise Goodwin as his number eight wide receiver this week or number seven. I was like, what? Was there supposed to be a zero behind that? Uh, no. On the, on the year, the Jets. <laughs> no, I, I know that's the thing is someone asked him about it. And on the year, they've allowed just five top 20 wide receivers got like it's 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 ridiculous it's gotten to the point where you just don't play wide receivers unless they're Antonio Brown DeAndre Hopkins like those guys those are the only ones you play against Jacksonville they are allowing just 6.36 yards per target to opposing wide receivers which is by far the best in the NFL the next closest is all the way down at 6.67 yards per target and that's the Chargers who people tend to avoid in in uh in their matchups as well so Honestly, Marquise Goodwin, he can get one big play and, and pay off for you. But the, the concern is that he only has one touchdown this year. So it's very unlikely that he scores a touchdown. And t- so when you when you think that, OK, then he needs yardage to get consistent yardage against the secondary just doesn't happen. So Marquise Goodwin is down in wide receiver four territory for me. I mean, he does have 25 targets in the last two weeks, but here's the role with the Jags. OK, they've actually been this good. They've actually been a little better than this. But you take a player's average fantasy points and you divide them in half. That's how good they've been against the pass. Mm-hmm. 
It's it's ridiculous what they've done this year. They're just they're like the the Ravens of the early 2000s where you just you don't play players against them. That's how it works. Yeah. All right, Tags. Uh, so we've got a couple high end guys here. If you have to start one of them, we've got Robbie Anderson, T.Y. Hilton. We've got Randall Cobb with uh, with mm-hmm. with Brett Hundley. I don't know why he's still number 37 ECR. And then Sammy Watkins at Tennessee. We've ha- seen him have a few big games. I'd rather play Watkins of all these guys. Um, I say that because he's got the best quarterback position. You have Robbie Anderson, who's going to match up with Casey Hayward. That's not a matchup you target, especially with with Bryce Petty at, at behind center. T.Y. Hilton hasn't done anything, anything this year that would make me feel comfortable starting him. And going against Baltimore in Baltimore, that's a concern for me. The weather is not going to be ideal for them there. Um yeah, Hilton, again, one play, okay, maybe, but I think Watkins has a better shot at that play against Tennessee. Tennessee, their secondary is pitiful, and that's the thing. is like When you go through their schedule, you'll see that there's certain parts of their schedule they look better than others. They really do well. well I shouldn't say really do well, but they play a lot better against bad competition. The Rams are not bad competition. They are a legitimate offense. They've been pouncing teams. Like they're trying to send a statement through the NFL that they are the team to beat. They are the team that their defense is getting better at the right time. Their run defense has started to step up a little bit over the last couple of weeks. Sammy Watkins, they need to keep him somewhat happy because if you remember earlier in the season, he started saying, I need to see more targets. And he never really got that huge jump in targets, but they made him happy because he was scoring touchdowns. He was contributing Um, again with Robert Woods back in the field. There's no focus on Sammy Watkins. He's kind of like the one B, if not the two (laughs) um, to opposing defenses at this point in time. So against Tennessee, I think he could beat them deep. The game's in Tennessee. So the weather should be good. I don't want to trust Randall Cobb either. Like I just said, bright uh, or no way, man. Brett Hundley. He hasn't thrown a touchdown at home. No. I mean, I know Devontae Adams is almost certainly going to be out, right? But yeah, I'm not playing Randall Cobb. I've got him around 50. Uh, here's the thing with Sammy Watkins. Like, when's the last time he had more than four receptions in a game? It was week three, Tags. Oof. Week three, man. He's the third wide receiver on this team. Robbie Anderson's number one. T.Y. Hilton is number one. So, like, they're going to get targets. Sammy Watkins is not a safe play. Honestly, I would rather pick up Corey Coleman. He's all the way down at number 46 ECR, but he's out there for you. You can pick up Corey Coleman against uh, against Chicago because I think they're going to shut down Josh, not shut down Josh Gordon. Like, I'm still playing Josh Gordon. He's a top 25 receiver, but, um, you know, I think Corey Coleman's going to get a lot more looks, and he is really talented, man. He is talented. The, the quarterback situation worries me, though. He's not a big target, like a, just a possession receiver like Josh Gordon can be. Um, and going back to T.Y. Hilton, like you were talking about the Humblemos last time that Sammy Watkins had four receptions. Did you know that T.Y. Hilton, since the start of week six, so that includes week six, he has had just two games with more than three receptions, and one of them was against the Houston Texans, so that shouldn't even count. Wow, I'm looking at his game log. Wow, he sucks. (laughs) (laughs) He He has, oh man, what a horrible game log. 19 yards, 27 yards, 15 yards, 23, 15, 20. What in the world happened to him? Yeah, he, he well, Jacoby Brissett happened to him. The offense happened to him. The offensive line happened to him. There's so many things that happened. Uh, they don't have a run game. The, uh, the Indianapolis is in a very, very bad spot as a franchise because their offense, even if Andrew Luck comes back as Andrew Luck, they don't have much on offense. And then if you look on the defensive side of the ball, they obviously don't have much there. So it's uh, you're in dire times uh, if you're an Indianapolis Colts fan. I don't want to make Colts fans panic or Andrew Luck dynasty owners like myself panic. I think there's a 20% chance Andrew Luck retires this offseason, Tags. 20%? 
Uh, I'm not messing around. I'm not messing around, dude. I think it's a legitimate possibility. I mean, he might retire just to get away from the Colts, but um, I don't think he retires, though. I, and I, he comes back as a baseball pitcher. <laughs> Wouldn't that be awesome? <laughs> <laughs> now you're just dreaming. Now you're dreaming. All right, man. I, I want to ask you a couple guys. I've got some questions about these. Must start or on the fringe? Robert Woods. Must start. Demaryius Thomas at Washington. On the fringe, depends on the quarterback. I want to see if it's uh, Brock Osweiler. I, I trust him a lot more with Brock Osweiler. In the three starts that Brock has played, uh, Demarius scored in every single matchup. And he's going to see more of Bashad Breeland, whereas uh, Manuel Sanders will see more of Josh Norman. So uh, Demarius, he's on the fringe, I guess, depending on who your other options are. But it's unlikely that you have three wide receivers better than Demarius. Yeah, I've got him wide receiver 26. Martavis Bryant at Houston. I'm going to go with a must start. Me too. I've got him number 16 for wide receivers. Mike Wallace face Indianapolis. Uh, that's another must start. Muhammad Sanu at New Orleans. The best matchup on the field. Uh, he's on the fringe just depending because you might have D.D. Westbrook and Muhammad Sanu and I'd probably take D.D. Westbrook. But if you're deciding between Sanu and someone like Sterling Shepard, I'd probably lean Sanu. So it, it's, it's on the fringe just because there's a lot of players in that range by him. But he has a good matchup. Yeah, I've got Sanu number 24, so I think you're starting him. Uh, Jamison Crowder face Denver. Bench. Not even on the fringe. He's a bench. Yep, yep. I agree. Cooper Cup at Tennessee. On the fringe. Uh, Logan Ryan, probably the toughest matchup on the field of the Rams wide receivers, so he's on the fringe. All right. Last one here. Rashard Matthews face the Rams. Uh, on the fringe for sure. Um, the Rams have done really good against wide receivers this year, and the ones that they've they, they've struggled against have been slot receivers. I hope you have better options than him. Uh, like I would probably rather play Paul Richardson at at Dallas mm-hmm. than Richard Matthews. But the reason I brought up Matthews, he's number thirty two ECR. So almost all experts are saying, yeah, he's a top three wide receiver, not a top three, a top thirty six wide receiver. But uh, I'm not really there with Richard this week. I I agree with you. I think Richardson is someone that I'd probably consider over. I think there's similar options in the offenses they play in, but Richardson has the better matchup. All right. So let me give you another situation. Uh, Let's say that you're working on your number three wide receiver. You're in rough shape here. Okay. You've got Chris Hogan. If he plays. Okay. You've got Kendall Wright and you've got Nelson Aguilar face Oakland. Uh, Chris Hogan, if he plays, I mean... It, it's against his former team. So, you know, there's always that stupid revenge game narrative, but the, the Patriots are at home. Tom Brady, he needs to get back on track before these playoffs start. So this is a week where he can try and do it against Buffalo. They, they've been relatively good against quarterbacks this year. So it's going to be rough for him to finish as the QB one. But I do think he has a solid week. And if Hogan comes back, those other guys, you know, there, there's risk that Kendall Wright, that Mitch Trubisky throws 15 times and Kendall Wright sees three targets. That's a real thing. Uh, and then talking about Nelson Aguilar, he's interesting. I I, I, he's one that I would consider over Hogan just because there is risk with Hogan coming back from the injury. He obviously only played one week. He took a week off and then back. There's there's risk there. Nelson Aguilar actually played pretty well with Nick Foles last week in a tough matchup because he was playing against uh, Dominique Rogers Cromartie covering the slot for the Giants, who is probably their best cornerback at this point. But that's not saying much. Uh, but he he played well. I think it was five catches for 79 yards and a touchdown, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Um, I don't know. I, I, I'm worried about Chris Hogan. See, I can't make up my mind on him. Like, he's been really good when he does play, but let's say he comes back and he gets five targets for one reception again, right? Like, let's say he comes back and he's on the field for 20 snaps and you start him in the championship week. That's Well, that's that's obviously the concern you have with him, but the thing is, is with him, I, I being they held him out last week in such an important, important game against the Steelers, I don't think they're putting him back on the field unless he's ready. So I, it's either he's playing or he's not, and... When he's on the field, you mentioned it uh, before his injury. 
he had 60 yards in all but two games, and that was through eight weeks. So six of eight games, he had 60 yards or more. He was scoring touchdowns. I want to say he had six or seven touchdowns through those games. So uh, he, him and Brandon Cooks were almost identical in stats, and people view Brandon Cooks as a wide receiver one. So, I mean, that's, a, that's what I'm thinking is, like Brand, is that Chris Hogan, if he's back in the lineup, if he's healthy, he should be in like that wide receiver two, wide receiver three conversation. But again, there is risk with him. And Nelson Aguilar, again, if, if the Raiders are playing better and they've only allowed one passing touchdown over the last three weeks, that's a little concerning to me. Let's just imagine that Nathan Peterman's the starting quarterback for the Bills. He's got Sammy Watkins, Robert Woods, Chris Hogan. He's a start in the fantasy championship this week, right? Oh, no. But that, it is funny to think. It is funny to think about. <laughs> that I the can't Bills- believe they got rid of all those guys. Yeah, it's funny to think that the Bills wide receiving core could be Sammy Watkins, Robert Woods and Chris Hogan. Yeah, that. and the, the Rams quarterback core. I mean, uh, Nick Foles, Case Keenum, Jared Goff. Like, what mm-hmm. was Jeff Fisher doing? And he might get an NFL head coach job next season. What a joke. Like, hire me. If you're going to hire somebody, <laughs> hire me instead of Jeff Fisher. <laughs> I'll show you how to go sub 500. Um, <laughs> no, but I actually told I had someone on Twitter at me and said, Mike, I'm a Bears fan, too. He's like, can we make a pact that if the Bears hire Jeff Fisher, that will stop being fans? And I said, absolutely. Like, I, I will not root for the Bears if they bring in Jeff Fisher. And that's I am. Dude, join me. It'll be fun. I'm dead serious. We'll get to see the Jags like shut everyone out. Yeah, man. Yeah, I'll join the Jaguars bandwagon. Like, there's a lot of players in that team I like, but I don't I don't think the Bears do it. I think they've already been there, done that with John Fox and, they, and Ryan Pace may have learned his lesson. I no no if you if you're a t- if you're a fan of an NFL team and they hire Jeff Fisher you should seriously think about a different team for your fandom <laughs> that's awesome okay man let's go on over to tight end you got to start Gronk Travis Kelsey Zach Ertz Greg Olson obviously after last week uh, what about Evan Ingram Delaney Walker must starts Evan Ingram's absolutely a must start like the, the guy he's averaging I think uh, what was the number I I looked at it earlier today and it's like 9.8 targets over his last four games it's like wide receiver stuff that we dream of at a position that's like incredibly volatile yes follow the targets again if um, Sterling Shepard's being covered by Patrick Peterson Evan Ingram is going to be the number one target but it is important to know that the Cardinals defense has been so much better ever since Tyvon Branch went down and they had to go to Buda Baker Buda Baker should have been playing all along because that team is is turned a corner Arizona's defense is a lot better but I still he's a superstar he is he is uh I was so mad that Bears didn't get him but anyways uh getting away from my Bears thing uh Delaney Walker another one he you know the guy's getting targets the matchup against the Rams is, is it great not really but it's Delaney Walker the guy sees you know seven eight targets per game you always play those guys like you can never, ever sit them because you're never going to have an option who's higher them out on my rankings. Anyways, I'm with you. I actually think Delaney Walker is the single most consistent and reliable tight end. So there's no way I'm benching him. What about Jimmy Graham or Kyle Rudolph? You have a really good stat that you shared on Twitter about Jimmy Graham and Austin Hooper. I could not believe it. Yeah, most people uh, I, I said it's a bar bet. Like if you're at a bar and like you have you know, talking with your friends, you can make a bet and probably win money by saying that Austin Hooper has more receiving yards than Jimmy Graham does this year. Um, the fact that Jimmy Graham has scored nine touchdowns, that's that's like kind of skewed everything for a lot of people and I think that nobody expected these bust performances but when he stopped scoring touchdowns it was bound to happen now did we think he'd score zero points in back-to-back weeks no (laughs) we definitely didn't and Dallas is a team that honestly they've been really struggling against tight ends uh, I think over the last five weeks it is all right so the Cowboys through the first seven games they didn't allow a single top 12 performance to a tight end but in the seven games since, they have allowed four of them, including three games with 16.9 or more PPR points to Travis Kelsey, 
Austin Hooper and Hunter Henry. If you've made it somehow to the finals without with Jimmy Graham scoring zero points in back to back weeks, you obviously have a team that's built to with, you know, to to support a, such a volatile tight end. But I think that Jimmy Graham is a is a play this week. Kyle Rudolph, on the other hand, is someone that I'm extremely worried about. Um, you know, he had an ankle injury that had him considered doubtful last week. He was doubtful on Friday. They upgraded him to questionable on Saturday, and then he ended up playing Sunday, though he only played 20 snaps. The game was a blowout, so it's it's a chance they just held him back just because the game was in a blowout. But playing with a with an ankle sprain outdoors in a two degree temperature is not ideal, especially against Green Bay. Now, Green Bay, they're coming fresh off a game where they allowed Greg Olson to, you know, look like Greg Olson from four years ago. <laughs> where I think he had nine catches for a hundred and something yards and a touchdown. Like it was ridiculous what he was doing. Um, so the matchup maybe isn't as bad as we thought it was, but I have legitimate concerns about Kyle Rudolph. You have to, but like, what are you going to do? Are you going to go to the waiver wire and pick up Cameron Bright or Antonio Gates? Like tight end just sucks so bad this week. If you don't have a tight end, if you're starting Jimmy Graham or Kyle Rudolph, you seriously might as well just quit because they're going to like, there's a good chance they're just going to be horrible this week. Right. But you have to start them. It's so annoying. Yeah. I would probably consider starting Cameron Braid over Kyle Rudolph. And I say that because Braid did return to the game last week. He finished with uh, four catches for 49 yards, which was basically all in the second half because OJ Howard went out. OJ Howard, as I mentioned earlier in the show, has been placed on IR. So that's huge. Um, the Panthers, the reason I think that Braid is such a solid streaming option is because the Panthers have somewhat struggled against tight ends. They've allowed seven touchdowns, uh, including multiple touchdowns to Zach Ertz and Darren Fells. But the reason Thomas Davis, one of their starting linebackers who excels in run and pass coverage, he's out for this game. He's uh, he got suspended for his hit on Devonte Adams. That's going to further lower the, or further higher the ceiling for Cameron Brate. And being the only tight end on that team, if you combine the targets between him and Howard every week, you're looking at someone like who's getting the targets of uh, like Rob Gronkowski. So it's I do believe he's he should be considered a low end tight end one this week. Uh, but my question to you, Bobby, what do you do with Ricky Seals Jones in a matchup against the Giants? Ignore him. If you play Ricky Seals Jones, you were asking for two receptions for 14 yards. You're asking for it. Is there a tight end outside like the top six or seven that you could say that about, though? Eric Ebron. <laughs> Eric Ebron. Who would have thought? Eric Ebron safe. Yeah. What if he's not available, though? Like, uh, let's, Yeah, I mean, let's pretend you're choosing between Ben Watson, Vernon Davis, Ricky Seals Jones and Jesse James. Vernon Davis, man. I actually like Vernon Davis this week. So. <laughs> and Jesse James over Ricky Seals Jones. Uh, you're exactly right about Cameron Braith, though. Like, I didn't even think about all that stuff. Man, you nailed it. Um, here's what Cameron Brait did before OJ Howard took over for him. Tight end 31, tight end 10, tight end 3, tight end 4, tight end 4, tight end 24. That's 60 yards. He fumbled no touchdown on nine targets. And then tight end 11. He's been a top 12 tight end five of seven weeks before OJ Howard took over. There's a good chance he's a top 12 tight end again here. Yeah, the knee injury is what concerned me. But being he came back to that game, being he's got the whole week to rest it up, I'm sure they're going to take it easy on him because they had no other tight ends on the depth chart. Like it was really bad. Um, so, again, the matchup here is good. Vernon Davis, I do like. Uh, I like him an awful lot. The, the concern I have, though, is that I wonder if there's an injury that Vernon Davis is hiding and that we don't know about because in, in from weeks three to 11, he finished with 58 or more yards in seven of eight games. He was like one of the most consistent tight ends in football. And now he's failed to record more than two catches or 26 yards over the last four games. 
it's just really weird to me. The Broncos defense have allowed 10 of 14 tight ends to finish as the tight end 13 or better against them. So knowing that it's tough to to shy away from Vernon Davis, I'm just concerned that there's some injury that he's not talking about. All right, Tags, that's all for today's show. It was a lot of fun. Good luck to everyone in your championship. And remember, we've got our DFS show coming up later this week. If you want to do that, we'll be doing it all through the postseason. Then we'll start talking about drafts and then early sleepers, everything like that. So stay tuned. Subscribe on iTunes if you haven't already. Leave us a rating and review. We really appreciate it. It helps us out a lot. And also thanks to the sponsors of today's show, Lisa Mattress. That's L-E-E-S-A dot com slash fantasy pros for $100 off your mattress order. And SeatGeek, if you download the SeatGeek app and enter the promo code fantasy pros, you'll get $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. Also, remember, we've got the DraftKings contest going on. You can win 1000 bucks and a lifetime membership to Fantasy Pros. Just go to fantasypros.com slash DraftKings. Entry fee is 1 buck, and half of everyone is going to win some money. For Mike Daglier, I'm Bobby Sylvester. Thanks for listening and enjoy your football. I just wanted you to watch me dissolve.